0: It was at this moment that he knew. He bucked up. Welcome. You're listening to Bucked Up with Sam Buck. Oh, Welcome to
1: Bucked Up, Patrick. Depart. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Sam. Of <laughs> course, you are one of my favorite comedians that I've met post-quarantine, and uh, I'm happy to have you on. You're the first guest in the Bucked Up home studio. Hell yeah! It's kind of DIY, but we really have, for two weeks we haven't had microphones. Can they so. see the fine china
0: in the back? It's looking better than me.
1: We do have a couple. Uh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm already going down the path that I told what? you. Because I said do. China? <laughs> exactly. All right. Welcome to Bucked Up. Um, yeah, so we were talking about the whitest kids you know. That's where the Utah oh, yeah. fucked up. Utah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I loved whitest kids you know. And when I finally got old enough to drive around, I was like, that's what improv is. Because I thought they were like an improv troupe. And then I signed up for improv. And I do love the improv oh, group no. I was in. And yeah. I was in one from 16 to 18, but it's not the style of. No. I stopped because it's not the style of humor I want to do.
0: I were mean, they God. improv? Were they like a improv troupe, or were they they were just a sketch? Yeah, troupe. I think they were just a
1: sketch group. But I yeah. kind of saw like a bunch of dudes being silly, and I was like, "That's what improv <laughs> is." And then I was like, "Oh wait, you have to be like kind of PG 13." Oh yeah, like oh, there's yeah. no dirty improv and gay. No. No. Yeah. You have to be
0: (laughs) flamboyant at least to be to be improv you have to be have no shame and be able to like hit high points and like "Ah," with your voice and stuff so
1: i think that's funny it's kind of like i feel like improv people might feel that way about stand-up because they're like they're up there talking about what now (laughs) like
0: yeah you know i wish i could do that that's how the improv people feel
1: i do love whenever i do a really personal joke and no one else laughs you're the only person laughing mm. in the audience
0: i laugh every time someone bombs that's what i laugh at <laughs> i laugh i never like when a good joke happens i go that was a good joke that was really funny that was well written out i focus on like the writing but when someone says something personal that no one laughs at and like the whole room gets uncomfortable like oh my god that's where I crack the fuck up.
1: I do too. It gets me in trouble sometimes because like, it'll be a joke that's really inappropriate and like not in the way that it's like just inappropriate with no, nothing behind it. And I'll laugh really hard at how uncomfortable it hit.
0: Yeah. And then it makes you like, look like a dick. Yeah, like exactly. it makes like, you look at that racist laughing yeah. <laughs> at that joke.
1: And I'm like, wait, no, yeah. I was laughing at the guy on stage. And on I'm laughing show. at the reaction from the crowd of how uncomfortable you all got. It's like I used to watch American Idol when it first started because there was a lot of people failing. Like, I just wanted to watch Bad Singers. Yeah. But then, like, as it got on, they were like, we can't make fun of, like, these people are mentally challenged. Like, yeah. we can't make fun of them. Yeah, so they, they, stopped, a lot of so they stopped putting on the Bad Singers. And then it's not as fun uh-huh. anymore. I only watch yeah, it. Yeah, then and it's like better. actual talent. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah, I'm gonna wait for you to get a record deal before I listen to you. Like, I don't want to hear you sing <laughs> yeah, shitty exactly. covers of Hallelujah. The
0: only thing that came out of that was Susan Boyle.
1: Was that a, yeah, that was that was British British idol. Oh, okay. That's
0: the yeah.
1: You're the Susan Boyle <laughs> of Rhode Island comedy
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> I it's uncom it's as uncomfortable to watch, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> that's the thing that I I am very appreciative for Rhode Island comedy, but it's like we are now Rhode Island comics not even being there because that's the only thing that's open. Like, I'm a, originally from the Cape. I am a consider myself a Boston comic, but I did Worcester a lot. But now it's like, Rhode Island's the only thing that's open, so you're a Rhode Island. Yeah, I'm from Mass.
0: Done a lot of Worcester, done a lot of Boston, but for some reason, everyone looks at me as a New Hampshire comic. I don't know why that is. Oh, I really? Think I, I think I just come across as like a conservative Republican man that would swing a Don't Tread on Me flag from my truck. <laughs> But some people are just like, this kid, New Hampshire. But uh, yeah, Rhode Island. And you always wear hiking boots. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a German shepherd with me at all times. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Rhode Island has definitely been great. Which way better reception to like our jokes and stuff. Our sense of humor is definitely get a way better reception down there. Which like, I kind of am looking at as like, maybe that's not great. Because the people down here are kind of like sleazebags where they're like, we love when you go as hard as possible. Be racist, be sexist.
1: That's a problem. It's like when I was in Boston, I was probably one of the bluer Boston comedians, but I was still getting booked. But then when that stopped and I went to Rhode Island, it just is like, the jokes only work if you're more fucked up. So when I go back, I'm going to have to... I've actually been trying to write a seven-minute clean set. Yeah. But it's hard to write, for me at least. It's really... Yeah, I was like pitching,
0: I was pitching my family my clean material recently, like my old clean material, I was revisiting it. And I was like, everything I was saying, I was like, Oh, this isn't even clean. This was like (laughs) as clean as I can get. But I'm still like talking about blumpkins and talking about like, (laughs) cock porn and stuff. So it's like, yeah.
1: I was like, my dodgeball joke I could do in a clean, and I was like, oh yeah. wait, no, that's school shoot. That's not clean. Yeah, it's like just because it doesn't there's not a swear doesn't mean. It's
0: funny because yeah, I feel like we we look at it as like we're just talking about the subject. We're not acting it out. Like if I'm talking about Blumpkin porn, that's not <laughs> offensive. If I acted it out, that's where it would become <laughs> offensive. <laughs> so I dropped, I dropped the act out, and I'm like, "Whoa, the, the word now. Blumpkin isn't yeah. offensive." But Fucking yeah.
1: opening up for Jim Gaffigan.
0: I played in a cafe in Londonderry, New Hampshire, one time for a bunch of middle-aged women, just all like older women and their daughters, and I killed for ten minutes. I did a, I had a, one of the best sets of my life. Well, you said before, so I didn't really know you before quarantine.
1: You said you did more cleaner comedy before.
0: Yeah, I worked in a, uh, I worked in a bakery. So I had a lot of like, I had a tight five of bakery material,
1: which I've never heard you tell a bakery.
0: Yeah, you? it stopped. <laughs> I, I quit that job. And I stopped, which it was the best job of my life. And I just quit one day because I was, it was getting in the way of my comedy. I mm-hmm. felt at
1: least I, I suck at jobs. I'm really bad at jobs. Yeah, I, That's uh, a huge problem for me. But you were clean, and then when you came back, were you just like, fuck it, I'm not going to do that anymore? Or what was that decision? I guess I wasn't really that clean. I mean, a lot of
0: people, I was one or the other. I was either incredibly clean or I was incredibly offensive. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, when I worked at the bakery, I was getting good bakery material, and then I stopped working there. So then when I was telling that, those jokes, they felt, like, insincere, like, I don't work in a bakery anymore. I'm lying to you people. And I felt like that was kind of, which is kind of stupid, but it felt weird saying it like, Oh, I work at a bakery. And it's like, well, I know that's not true. Well, that's how I felt. It's like, I'm honest on stage, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Before quarantine, I'd had a lot of relationship material. And then when I got back, my friend's like, you can still do those jokes even though you're not in a relationship. And I'm like, it doesn't feel sincere. Like I'm not telling the joke with as much like enthusiasm, like.
0: Well, that's worse, though, too. If yeah. you're single and you're like, <laughs> is, I'm in a relationship, is... my girlfriend... <laughs> you're just going home and yeah. sitting alone. Yeah, driving home, like, <laughs> keep looking over at your passenger seat.
1: <laughs> that was like, a good set, wasn't it, honey? It. Oh, <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, but no, I, I do agree that... uh, I, I Did like... you
0: laugh at when I said I'm honest on stage
1: because I'm the most, like, yeah, I lie. You, you I do, constantly lie do. on stage. But you... I was thinking about this in preparation for this podcast, because I wrote, um, I, I had something about you, you lying on stage, but you also don't like you make like the thing. I don't want to give away your jokes, but like the thing about the tattoo, that's still your style. And it's still true to you because like the exit sign tattoo. Yeah. It's like David tell, not everything David tell says is true. But it's true to him because that's who he is. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt about you when I thought about it.
0: I feel like my jokes, you're able to separate the lie from the truth. Like you can kind of see like where I came up with the idea and then how I just exaggerated to such a lie. that it's like there was a there was a point like the exit, (laughs) the exit sign I saw an exit sign. (laughs) That much is true. And then I made up a whole story about it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's like, I'll, I want all my stories to be based in truth, but like, I'll make up little details, like an ending line. Like someone said something that really didn't happen, but I don't want to. Well, that's where the funny comes in. Exactly. Yeah. Like you think Bert Kreischer's
0: machine story is full to its entirety.
1: No, of course. No way. Yeah. No Well, way. that's mm-hmm. like. Did you you love Louis? Mm-hmm. You are a big Louis fan. Louis you like fan. yeah. You got you me. got more into him in the past year or two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Around October 2017 is where
1: I became a real. He became an idol to me. No, but did you ever watch the Louis show? Yeah. Remember the episode where he's going to the he hosts the open mic and the kid's telling the story about pissing the bed and his mom's beating him. Yeah, and then he's like, he's like, just do a silly voice because he's like, this guy's not funny. He's just and he's killing at the end of the episode. Yeah, I feel like that. I go down that path sometimes too. Where it's like, this isn't even funny. It's just a sad story I'm telling. Mm. And that's something where you come in. It's like you're good at kind of exaggerating or pulling the curtain back on something.
0: I'm also good at telling really sad stories to where the crowd goes, Jesus, this kid needs therapy. That happened to me last night. I literally went into a dark spiral halfway through a yeah, joke. Yeah, that was hilarious. The whole like, it seemed on purpose though that, but the I whole know. like calling your dad thing. That but was it great. was.
1: But it wasn't. <laughs> <That> was, yeah. <laughs>
0: In reality, then, that's really sad what happened on stage. I, I thought it wasn't true. I
1: thought you were just saying that as a joke. I'm going, I was listening back to it, and I was like, oh, no, I was really sad in that moment, but from now on, I'm just you going to... You never played with me, Dad. <laughs> you don't even talk to me anymore. Do you, are you... How does your family feel about your comedy? Or your dad? Uh, my dad loves it. That was a rude thing to say. How does your what? family How does feel about? Your, oh, your not comedy, at all. That's a dad. good question. Just your dad. That's
0: a good question. I could have come from a family that uh, I've. I know people whose family, families absolutely hate their comedy. Hate that they do it. Like uh, I won't say his exact name, but the kid who we know whose mother yelled at him to quit comedy oh, recently. Yeah. Like,
1: like that's pretty brutal. <laughs> that is brutal. But uh, and he
0: wasn't even like a dark.
1: He just. I just felt that maybe he was sure.
0: using me as maybe he was using mother as code word for me. Cause I yelled at him to quit comedy a week before that. So <laughs> nobody's ever, if you come up to me and you say, I'm thinking about quitting comedy, I will tell you to quit comedy. Yeah. I don't like that. There's another older comic who says that too. And it's like, it's true. It's mm-hmm. like, if you're thinking about quitting, why don't you, you should just quit? Cause I've never thought about quitting. Yeah. And I can't even like, I always say dark thing to say on a self-help podcast, but me quitting comedy
1: is me killing myself no i totally i there's no i can't do anything other than comedy like, yeah when i what, before comedy i was like depressed hurt like it's the only th- thing that i have everybody I really, love everybody absolutely want to do and that's why it's like it's back now i'm sorry but if you don't want to go inside that's fine but there's still outdoor mics yeah go fuck yourself <laughs> corona people <laughs> Drop the fear. Drop the mask. We're doing it. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like I, I should take, take back what I said. <laughs> but I heard someone say that they don't think open mics are helpful to them. And I was like, oh, that's that, a shitty comic. That, exactly, <laughs> that's, that's someone who's just like,
0: I'm just going to go up there and kill it. <laughs> that's like, uh, what's that Robert De Niro movie? The King of Comedy. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm just a great, I'm just hilarious. <laughs>
1: But your dad, your family likes your comedy. My
0: dad loves my comedy, and like your dad's such a great fan. He's a yeah, he's a huge fan. I've hosted those two shows in my backyard this year, and he, fucking, he watched it the whole way through. He cracked up at everybody the whole time. Afterwards, he was going up to everybody like, "We love you guys. We're so happy you came here. Please come again. We want to do this every week." And like, like he loves that. He loves even like the people who I think suck who showed up. My dad was like, "They're so good. They're gonna be something <laughs> one day." I was like, that guy, Dad? Come on. I know him. He sucks. You can say my name.
1: <laughs> no, you're, you're one of the good ones. That's why I let you take Bullet. I appreciate it. <laughs> the yeah. angriest. See, I, I, try, I meditate every day. I do yoga. I try not to. I, I was an angry person, and I try to push that anger down, down, far down by doing certain things. Oh like um, stand-up? Like oh, stand like, up like meditating? and meditate, and that help with your smoking. Comedy? Yeah, and that all helps me calm down. But you saw anger come out, you've only oh, yeah, for the first time out. ever, and then you, yeah, out of you. It was shocking. I know, I don't get like that, but it happens sometimes. And I'm like, like oh, it's like that Bill Burr bit on uh, his newest special where he's talking about his anger, he doesn't know how to. I don't know it. You don't listen to much stand-up other than the guys you like. Yeah. I asked you like, who do you listen to? You're like, I only listen
0: to Bill Hicks and Louie. I listen I to far too much Bill Hicks, and I listen to Louie, yeah, far too often. He only, Louis only has one album on Spotify, so I just listen to it over and over again.
1: I listened to a Bill Hicks album at your request, and then I went and did stand-up that night, and it was super unfunny, and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, he's he's very funny, but when you listen to him, at least for me, I started to my bits were like his that night, and I'm not that type of person. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so you see where I'm coming from with my comedy, <laughs> but uh,
0: yeah, his yeah, his was more philosophical and all that, but like some he has a joke in his uh revelation special where he like, the one where he's saying like we live in a totalitarian government who's trying to keep us in this dark, and then he stops and he goes. Oh, wrong meeting. And it's like, it's you snap out of it, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot he's a comic. Yeah, I forgot he's f- here to be funny. Like, that, that's how good his comedy was.
1: That's, how, uh,
0: that's how unfunny his comedy was. No, like,
1: I think he's... I've gone back and I can't write jo- jokes like his, of course not. But he is super funny. There's some old co- comics that, like... I've had friends getting screaming matches with me because I tell them I don't think George Carlin is funny. And it's just like... I lo- it's I like old comedians but he's just not my cup of tea. And then I feel that way when people talk shit about Joe Rogan. I'm like, "You're talking shit about Joe Rogan? You're talking shit about Joe Rogan." And then I'm like, "Oh, I understand when people get upset that I don't." I like used trying. to
0: hate Joe Rogan and I used to think he was unfunny and be- I never gave him a chance. I was always just like, "He's not funny at all. He's the host of Fear Factor." And then our friend Dan Butler was like shocked by that and he and he showed me like four CDs of his and I didn't even know he was that good of a comic. I had no idea. He's but a fantastic He's a comic. fantastic comic.
1: Like, one of the best, for sure. Shout out Dan Butler and his podcast, The, uh, the Slanted, Slanted hallway. hallway. Yeah, I want to get him oh, on man, to talk about that, because that shit. Hell yeah, crazy. that's fucking...
0: If you could get Alex Williams, Will Podorf, and Dan Butler on here... <sighs> I would do that. Oh, man, that's a, that, that's a lineup right there. The fact that they've come together to make a show is incredible. And it's fucking killer stuff, too. Also, Rob Costa.
1: And another person, I don't know his name. I, I respect comedians. I respect most comedians. But I respect comedians who do comedy and also have something else that's creative that they're pursuing. Like you have your TV show, Living with a Sped which you cannot look up on YouTube. Look it up on Instagram. You will find it. When you look up living with a sped on YouTube, it just shows you a bunch of videos on how to live with a special education child. Yeah. (laughs) It's just not your TV. show. No, it's not. It's not. It's burial. I think it's
0: YouTube burying the word sped. Like they're like, these fucking kids are assholes for making the show. It's living with a sped. No G in the living. Look it up on Instagram. That's where you have a better chance of finding it. But, uh,
1: how would you get, so I studied film and I don't like it that much. Like, yeah. Do do you, how did you get into that? Like I've just
0: thought like we, uh, how we started, whitest kids, you know, inspired me to be like, uh, uh, in the show mighty Boosh, which no, not many people know about, um, the mighty Boosh and the whitest kids, you know, and like always sunny in Philadelphia and I'll say Seinfeld, but, uh, Those shows inspired me to, like comedy shows always, I've just always been a huge fan of comedy. Mm -hmm. So comedy shows and stand-up comedy always just influenced me. So I've always been, and movies, I'm just a huge movie buff. So the idea of making anything was really sick to me. And then uh, my brother and his friend drunkenly wrote the first season of Living With a Sped. And we didn't take it seriously. That's why it's called living with a sped. (laughs) Most people are turned off by that name and they won't watch it because of that. Or they'll think it's like us just being incredibly offensive and edgelordy. But uh, yeah, they drunkenly just wrote living with a sped and then they wrote the first season out and they came to me and my other brother and they were like, we should make this. We wrote it. And I think it would be really funny. And we did it. And by the end of the first season making it, we were like, we were having a lot of fun with it and we were watching it and we were like, this is fucking awesome. And like, we loved seeing ourselves on camera and stuff. So then they wrote season two real quick and we just filmed season two and we, we got far too pretentious with season two. We got like locations, actors, guns and all that stuff. We were like, let's go full fledged. Cause season one is in the same place the whole time. The same four people. Season two is like 10 people. 18 different locations, guns, you know, CGI. It's like, it's a big leap. So then I came in as a writer on season three and we just went back to basics with like, let's just stick to comedy. Let's just keep it funny, not go pretentious with it with like drug wars and all that shit. But uh, so season three is really, we watched season three and we were like, oh, this could actually be really good. We could actually, actually like make something worth watching. So then we wrote season four. Season one and season two were nine episodes each. And then season three, because I was enjoying writing so much and my brother was enjoying writing so much, we wrote 12 episodes. And then for season four, I thought, well, it's season four. What if we make 20 episodes? So it's season four, 20 episodes, 420. And then we'll release it on 420. Even though the show really has nothing to do with weed. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah but uh and i just we enjoyed writing so much and we knew it was going to be the last season so we were like fuck it let's just write 20 whole episodes so we wrote 20 episodes and we filmed it within a year and it just we just put it all out the last episode came out like three weeks ago and yeah we're all very proud of it which is awesome it's awesome to have something out there that you're like actually proud
1: of so i've watched the newest season fours the episodes that i've seen uh Early on, was it low quality? Because you, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. When did you, do you direct? Like, who does the filming and the directing of it? I did most of the camera work for season four. Because there's some three. really good shots, especially yeah. in the finale. I was like, oh, you actually have a grasp of like, not to, but like.
0: No, Stop but sucking you, my dick, Sam. Get out of here.
1: No, but it is good. Like, it is really good. Thank you.
0: Did it- Yeah. And I've never, I've never done any like, uh well, no, that's not true. And I did one year of college and I took a film class, I guess. So I got kind of inside. I didn't, I wouldn't even say that helped me out on inside. I feel like it's just, you know, you watch movies and you watch shows, you kind of get a grasp of like how to film different
1: things. It's funny. Cause that's just not how my mind works. And I went to school for that. <laughs> like my, my majors in film and I I, my teacher ruined my dream of film. I remember going in and being like, hey, I want to make Mumblecore films, which are like the Duplass Brothers, Joe Swanberg. Like there's a uh, um, Greta, uh, not Greta. Swanberg? Greta, yeah, <laughs> Greta Gerwig. Um, That's how you were after your <laughs> exactly. teacher killed your dreams. And I was like, these are, you? these are the uh, type of films I want to make. And he was like, I don't like those films so I'm just gonna teach you how I like he literally was like I don't like those films and I can't teach you how to make them so then I would come into class with these films I worked super hard on and he'd be like change it he's like oh. I don't listen to the lyrics and music so you should change the song because <laughs> I like and the whole movie was based on the lyrics to this song so it literally like oh what an killed asshole. my dreams in filmmaking and that's when I was holy like holy shit yeah legit and that's when I see yours I'm like Shit, like, you fucking did it. Like, you broke through. I just had my dreams. But that also shows it's not my real path. Because, like, I guess, yeah. I mean,
0: I didn't have to go to school for it. I just was like, I can just do it. Yeah, well, you, you didn't think, go to school. You're not
1: $30,000 in debt, and you know how to do it better than I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if you just do it, I mean, you're bound to get better at it, too. Like, season one, well, season one, we had bad cameras. None of us know how to act. So you're just kind of figuring out how to act and uh by season four you could tell we're all way better at like continuity and like yeah camera angles and all that stuff and just acting we know what's funnier Mm -hmm. so season four i mean the difference between season one and season four is outstanding is outstanding outstanding uh, outstanding
1: do you like the writing part of it or do you like the the directing part of it more
0: i love writing but writing is incredibly hard for sure. It's way easier to write with someone. A group of people's hard to write with cuz you fight over ideas and you're like, "What if we do this?" and someone's like, "Someone will shut it down and be like, "Well, this is why." But like if you're writing with one person, like my brother Chris, me and him write together. Uh we wrote we sat down and wrote the first episode of the season 4 because we had most of the epi- most of the episodes written. And then we didn't have an idea for episode one. So we just sat down and like within two hours, we wrote this whole episode. That's just like joke after joke after joke. And it's like pretty good. And when you watch it, it's like a 12 minute episode. When you watch it back for us, at least when, you, when we watch it, we're like, wow, we sat down and just wrote this. And now it's like on the screen. Now it's like in person. It's interesting to see. You're right and come to life. It's,
1: yeah. it's cool to see. Do, but, you, uh, do you enjoy, do you sit down and write stand up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a super,
0: I'm a super pre-written person. I need, like, I'll even write, like, the fucking, like, act out parts of, like, I don't know. I write out all of it, Mm -hmm. really. Like, word for word.
1: Do you do any writing on stage or no?
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I'll improv, like, a line or, like, a word or just, like, yeah. Do you
1: force yourself
0: to write? But... I'll never go up on stage and just start winging it. Mm. Which is a thing I respect heavily to mention Dan Butler again is he's a comic who will go on stage and just write up there. Like he'll have an idea and go on stage and just start talking about it. Which will make him bomb sometimes like hardcore where he's sitting there thinking and people are like, this isn't funny, but it's like him, it's like him, you know, a fucking starting with a stone and just whittling it down. It's incredibly impressive to watch. I can't do that at all. I'm super
1: pre-written. It's gotten. I started off super pre-written, and as I've gotten more into comedy, I've been writing more on stage, just going up and winging it, which is a confidence thing, but I feel like I get better bits out of it, but not as good jokes. Mm. Like, my jokes Mm -hmm. are better when I sit down and write them, but my bits are better when I'm just, like, free, because it just seems as if it's not supposed to, you know not coming from a place of already knowing, because you don't want to look like you're just reading a script up there.
0: Yeah, that's 100. Well, I've tried, since the beginning, I've tried incredibly hard to make it all seem like it's right off the top of my head. Like that's, I like to have it pre-written and then say it over and over again in my room and like in the car so that when I say it on stage, it seems like I'm like, this just happened to me. But it's like a thing that
1: happened three months ago, you know, and Do that you- I mostly made up you memorize would you so when you go over your lines you do it in your room or in your car yeah like when you're driving yeah i do it when i run when i run i probably look like a crazy person but i'll be like t- saying i'll run down the street and i'll be like saying my set out loud <laughs> like a whole bit like i can't a whole, do that. no i'll do like if i have a 10 minute set that night i will do all 10 minutes while running Outside, because I'm like, if I can handle this, then I can handle a crowd, you know? Yeah,
0: if that works for you, I, I don't think I could run at the same time of practicing my bit. When I'm running, I'm just like, I, I'm dying anyway, so I couldn't even focus. Yeah, I suck at running. Do you run? I know you've been doing those like 5K things. Do you run the whole way?
1: Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. This is how you know he doesn't listen to my podcast. So, uh, yeah, I run, I know, <laughs> no, I I'm just, I run, uh, yeah, three to five miles a day. Almost, almost every day. I'd, sk- I'd say five days a week because there are days where I just have so much shit that I can't do. But I'd say I try to do yoga every day, meditate, run. Yeah, because... Yeah. Are you about that? Like, it's all mental. It's not about... Yeah, it's all mental. I'm also... We were talking about my anger before. Like, I'm a crazy person. There's <laughs> a reason that, like, I do all this shit. Oh, it's yeah. to You're like preach preaching to the choir. Exactly. So, when I do... If I can, like, kick my ass in the morning with a run... Like my body will be too tired to freak out or get angry in the afternoon. Because I know that I'll like freak at someone or like I'll have a panic attack because I can't pick out what sweatshirt I want to wear. Like dumb shit. I just get anxious yeah. about it or whatever. But when I run, it's like it kicks the beast inside of me a little bit and tires it out.
0: Yeah, that's good. I, I just jerk off. That <laughs> I jerk off 10 times a day. You're so. How do you drink so much caffeine? Caffeine makes me more anxious than anything. You drink
1: more energy drinks
0: than like. It just started this year. I (laughs) I used to not drink so much caffeine, but yeah, the Bang energy drinks. It's the new heroin on the streets for sure. It's really fucking bad. Or Rain, three hundred grams of caffeine. I drank energy drink earlier. Uh, That had 70 grams, and I looked at it and I was like, bitch numbers. What the fuck am I
1: doing? This is going to make me fall asleep. That's how I look at edibles when people are like, I took 15 milligrams and I had a great night. I'm like, pussy. Yeah. Like, you got, I take 30 times that. (laughs) Yeah. That night you and me went to that uh,
0: drive in show and you gave me like a 50 milligram edible. I was just gone for the night. Like, you kept saying things to me, and I would just look at you like,
1: yeah. I took 300 that night.
0: Oh man, I couldn't. I couldn't talk after that.
1: I remember I went to go see Weird Al Yankovic with my dad. It was the Boston Symphony Orchestra and Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> and my dad. And I gave him a tiny piece of an edible, and he got so fucked up. And I took the rest of it, and it was maybe one. I go to a lot of concerts, but. I don't know why. I don't even, I'm not even a big Weird Al fan, but that was one of the best concerts I've ever been oh, to. Yeah. Just fucking stoned. Mm. We're watching the Boston Symphony Orchestra and Al. Fuck Weird it. Al. I saw Weird I almost Al. said Al Christakis. Al Christakis. Weird <laughs> Al Christakis. He's in his green Borat <laughs> swimsuit.
0: I'm a cum farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he. Uh, I saw Weird Al at uh, the Lowell Auditorium with my mother and my two brothers. And it was a, yeah, it was definitely a real good time. He puts on a good show.
1: So you said you jerk off to get your anger out, <laughs> your craziness out. I ever, do you have other things that you do?
0: Um, I don't know.
1: I mean, I, I'd like to
0: say that comedy releases something in me, but I don't know if it does.
1: Do you journal or do you just write comedy?
0: I just write comedy. I definitely, yeah, I don't journal at all. I just write comedy. I work out. I work, out, like I work out too. I go to the gym sometimes. <laughs> no, I go to the gym a lot. I can only run a mile. That's why I'm fascinated the the fact that you can write run five is crazy to me. There's this one road. I've been doing these uh ten mile walks. Mm-hmm. So I mean, maybe if ten mile walking equals a five mile run, but I've been doing these ten mile walks around my neighborhood, and there's this one road that's a mile long and when i first was doing the walks i would start running it and like i'd get like 10% into the run and i would immediately like be on the ground like hyperventilating but uh now i can run the whole thing cuz like every time i would take the walk i would try to run as much as i could so like i was like 25% 50% 100% but by the end of the run i'm fucking on my knees like dying just like screaming to the lord's will <laughs> it pity on me
1: I actually can spit some self help right now at you. So no. So how if you say it's mental? Uh, you know, I don't that's think it's even no. good. It's kind of like comedy. It's like people want to go up and have fifteen great minutes off the bat. You know what I mean? Like I'll have friends be like, "Dude, I have this five minute bit," and they don't do comedy. And it's like that's probably one joke. And that, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? A Thirteen it's second like, one line. I hate comedians. Who are like, I have twenty five minutes. And it's like no, you don't. Mm. You don't mm-hmm. like. But um, that's how I feel about running is when I started, I would run for 10 minutes. That's all I did. Every single day, I'd run for 10 minutes. And when you're running for 10 minutes, after 10 minutes, you're like, that's the easiest thing I've ever done. But after doing it for 10 minutes for two months, then you get to like 15 minutes and you just keep upping it and upping right. it by short increments until mentally you're trained for whatever. Right. Like I've done eight mile runs, nine mile runs. And it's it's, wild, but it all started off with me running so slow. Like you could probably walk faster than I was running and I was doing (laughs) it 10, 10 minutes a day.
0: Well, yeah, that's what I was saying with the one road there is I started at like 10% running it and being like, all right, that's enough for me. And then I got to like 25% and then I ran halfway. But I, what I was doing was I was setting points. Like I was pointing out a mailbox and being like, I'm running to that and then as soon as i would get there i'd be like all right just run to the next mailbox there and then i'd run there and then i'd be like all right the stop signs right there you might as well just finish it out so it would be like tricking my brain into making it all the way so it was pretty mental.
1: yeah you do have to trick yourself do you um do you think like with the caffeine and with all that stuff like you have the worst sleep schedule. You texted me that you sleep from like three to six in the afternoon. Yeah. I
0: went to sleep at five in the morning today and I woke up at like 11 or something.
1: So do you think
0: that affects your energy? Or are you the type of person like? Well, I've always been like a a, a night owl. What's the, the disease you have that uh, makes oh, you not um- sleep? I keep thinking nepotism, but that's that's not it. Necrophilia. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> yeah, necrophilia, nepotism. It's, uh, it's something with an N, right?
1: It's an N word.
0: Night owl. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I've always been. I've always stayed up so late. That's why i I always had trouble in school waking up for school. Like I would always go into high school. I would go in late by like 15 minutes, like every single day, and then they would give me detentions for it. And then I would have so many detentions that they would be like, now we have to suspend you. And then I'd be like, I'd be like, I'm just coming in late. I, kept, I always tried to plead with them, like, if you just allow me to come in 15 minutes late every day, I'll be fine. Because <laughs> that was my only problem in school was just, oh, man, I came in late every fucking day. I don't like waking up early. No. I hate it. I can't do it. Yeah, I, I, I hate going to bed early. I schedule- That's the worst problem for me.
1: Going to bed early, I can kind of force myself to do, like, over quarantine, I force myself to go to bed at by 11 every night. And then I'm the type of person who I need 8 to 10 hours of sleep a night regular, <laughs> like, every single night or I'm dead. Yeah. And it, it really does affect me. Like, if I get 6 hours of sleep, I literally can't do anything. Like, I don't want to work out. I don't want to do any of my shit. Like, mm. are, you you know, an, are you a napping person? I have become a napping person where I'll do a 30-minute nap or a 40-minute nap, and it just, like, jolts my system.
0: Yeah, a nap sometimes helps. I can't even nap, though. Like, I, if I'm sleeping, I'm sleeping. Like, I'm out. I can't even, like, do a nap. I'm, like, like if I fall asleep, I'm sleeping for hours. Like, my nap the other day, uh, like, this Saturday, I went to sleep at, like, 1 so I guess I fell asleep on Sunday, but then I woke up at 11 cause we were going out with my family to, uh, to a diner. And when we got home at like three, I went right back to sleep and I slept until like seven or eight. Are you just dull? Like, do you? Oh yeah. I'm a fatigued person. I don't know why. Does that, it, I would say it's the energy drinks, but I just started drinking those this year. Do they work? Cause I, sometimes they work too much. Like sometimes if I drink and I almost drank an energy drink today, but I was like, I'll be so ahead of myself that like, it gets you so like going that you fumble over your words. Like you get ahead of yourself when you're talking.
1: I don't even, yeah, I can't do it. It's brutal. I don't even like, tea. so I was never a coffee person. And then I was like, let me try tea and mm-hmm. even tea like that's how you know you're a pussy ass bitch <laughs> is when you can't even handle tea like <laughs> when you tease like i'm fucked up right now bro like i just drank yeah. a green tea and i'm fucked up well that's funny <laughs> because i started
0: on green teas was i iced green i would get an iced green tea before every time i went to a mic it's mostly because i was working long shifts and then i would have to immediately out of work i would have to drive to do comedy so I was doing like long, long shifts and then a long drive to where I was going to do comedy and then waiting around doing comedy and then waiting around after too. So I, yeah, I was like, I was up for like 17 hours. So I would drink a green tea cause I thought that's healthy, healthier than a fucking bang or a monster, you know, there's no sugar in it. But then for some reason at a point, green tea just started making me gag. Like Duncan's coffee makes me gag. I don't know why something in Duncan's recipes
1: just makes me get it. well there's a thing in green tea called um, it's the same thing that's in red wine just don't use the coaster God, it doesn't matter we'll, we'll like fuck that. the table up it's my mom's table you think I give a fuck
0: <laughs> it already has some holes in it over here I know and do you have a cat no I don't
1: actually We'll go back to green tea after, but I used to have a cat. When I was growing up, I had a cat and it ran away. <laughs> and then I just became super allergic to cats. Oh, really? Right but then, so this is, this is a real interesting story that really isn't. Then I had super bad respiratory problems when I was a kid, but not when I was growing up. So I think it's just because they had that cat. Like it was probably... helping your problems? No, like it was fucking up my breathing Uh, because I was allergic to it. And then when it ran away, I was like, oh, you're allergic to cats. I see. That wasn't worth it. Yeah. (laughs) No, that wasn't (laughs) as interesting as you thought. I thought it was going
0: to be a lot better when I... (laughs) I have... I'm allergic to cats. I'm far too allergic to cats. Like if they touch... Well, I'm not far too allergic, but when they touch me, I hive up and I lose my ability to breathe just like my lungs swell up. And I have... Uh, four four uh, regular cats, but they all, four of them, just recently had kittens. So right now in my house, I have like 23 cats.
1: That's too many cats. It's
0: way too many cats. Well, they're kittens. So Are there's you going to of- them? Yeah, we're getting rid of all of them.
1: But For the local uh, well, Asian I mean, restaurant.
0: just putting it on Facebook, like, anyone want cat? <laughs> yeah, to the local,
1: yeah, Rick's Cafe. There was, a, there was an Asian restaurant in my town that was shut down because they were serving uh, meat that wasn't the meat that they were supposed to be selling. Oh, but they didn't say what kind of meat it was? I was, hurt. I was told it was cats. That's what wow. I was told.
0: You thought it was coyotes taking the local cats. It was the... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I won't say it. the the Asians.
0: <laughs> that's it.
1: Oh, that's the wrong, <laughs> the wrong drop. <laughs> I, I haven't learned the drops yet. <laughs> Asians. A- that's uh, my job, Sam. Uh, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> that's your job. You're the drop queen. <laughs> Do you have a gong, Asians? Gong. <laughs> I need some guests. <laughs> guests some, some guests that will make me not cancelled so oh, I didn't say well, it I'm just kidding. I can still get SNL let, let me go to my questionnaire that I uh, do Shoot you read I... <laughs> I like that I wrote that down <laughs> I, uh, I do read not as
0: often as I uh, want but I read I have a stack of comedy bu- bu- books right now B- bu- books I have a stack of comedy books in my room right now like Bill Hicks love all the people I have that book that I'm like 80% through uh, I just got Charlie Chaplin's autobiography and uh, Mo Howard's autobiography who's the three stooges Mo. yeah and uh, I got Lenny Bruce ladies and gentlemen or ladies and gentlemen I here's Lenny Bruce whatever but uh I got it but it never showed up so Right, I guess so. I guess I'm never going to read that one. But uh oh and I got uh Enter Talking by Joan Rivers. So,
1: those are all books um, on my way to. Do you you do you find your inspiration from older comedians?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. All the dead comics are the best ones. That's like that's why I always I mean, it's cocky. In my opinion, it's cocky to say uh, I'm going to die young as a comic because that means you're a great comic, in my opinion. Like, if you die young as a comic, that means you were really, like, you were too good that you died young. Like, I mean, the list is outstanding of all the dead. I mean, Joan Rivers was old, though. Joan Rivers and uh, Rodney Dangerfield were old. George Carlin was old.
1: Dangerfield started late.
0: Ah, good point. Bernie Mac, too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. If I guess you're going to have to live
1: <laughs> You live out that kind of shitty comedian. life for years.
0: Louis never died. Not yet. Oh, he, he, he died, kind of.
1: Wait, doesn't Dave Chappelle have that joke where he's like, yeah. Louis died in a horrible yeah. masturbation accident? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my first joke was about masturbating, and I played it for my grandma. Nice. I feel like a lot of comics' first jokes are about jerking off. Cause it's like the taboo thing that like, it's all we know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I, yeah, I I don't really have, Oh yeah. You have a joke where you talk about uh, masturbating in your car. And yeah, when I started, I had a joke where I talked about masturbating in my car that was very similar because I had, I, it's funny because you have tissues in your car because you have allergies, Mm -hmm. but I literally carried around tissues in my car to jerk off.
1: Yeah, dude, literally like that's not everyone who gets in my car sees the box of tissues and asks me if I'm jerking off mm-hmm. in the car. And it's like, I fucking, I can't stop blowing my it's nose. funny because like, everyone who gets in my car goes, oh, do you have allergies? <laughs> 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 but
0: uh, no, I, I literally, yeah, I have a masturbation uh, habit that's uh, unhealthy
1: for sure. Is the relationship helping that?
0: Uh, dude, I uh, literally the other day I messaged my girlfriend and I told her I, I had just jerked off. And she said, I thought you were going to text her that you have a problem.
1: Like, you <laughs> couldn't do it. You couldn't do no, it. No,
0: I just, I, I texted her and I told her, well, I was, we were texting. I didn't just text her, like, hey, I just jerked off. But uh, we were talking and I was like, oh, I'm just laying in bed. I just jerked off. And she said, Why would you jerk off? If you have a girlfriend. And I was like, That's so ludicrous. Well, why would you? That what, is ludicrous? What would, that doesn't stop me from masturbating. You're not around 24 7. And you even can't like fill my needs. Even like when you pull out, you jerk off onto them. You know, it's kind of like saying like I did this on my own. <laughs> like you were just part of it. You know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. But or like when you're having sex and then you turn them around and you jerk off on their face.
1: No, no point to that. You're like, this is me. Yeah. This well, jerking my- off is still involved in the sex. Do you go ah, me time.
0: yeah i look up a lot of the times during sex i look up
1: for some reason i don't know why jesus (laughs) why is jesus the only name you can yell in bed other than your partners jesus other than (laughs) like i've had a lot you know like you can yell you can't yell like oh george but like (laughs) you can be like (sighs) jesus you can probably say
0: jiminy christmas
1: Oh, that's but that's like imagine being Jesus. named Jiminy. Jiminy, <laughs> name my kid Jiminy. Jiminy. Jiminy Fallon. Jiminy Buck. Jiminy. That's Buck. a racist in the yeah. making. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jiminy. Jiminy, Jiminy Buck. Buck literally. Oh, he has the Confederate back tattoo. Whoa. Oh yeah, he does.
0: <laughs> Jiminy Buck. He's a New Hampshire comic. <laughs> Jiminy Buck.
1: So you were saying that um, jobs fuck up your comedy, and you leave them. How about relationships? Do you, do, do you feel like they help your comedy or hinder it?
0: Um, I feel like with comedy, you can't sit around stagnant all the time. Like, nothing comes from that. Like, if you're just sitting at a desk... I, I have a huge problem with sitting at a desk and just writing comedy. You have to go out and, like, have experiences. Like, I
1: always go to the mall and just walk around. Oh, dude, that's my favorite thing. It's... It, you... It's the number one activity for lonely white guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. You visit Primark. Ooh, but uh, no. I go. Have the- you noticed that every mall, the benches are outside of the Victoria's Secret? And I'm like, that's <laughs> the one store you can't put benches in front of. Yeah, yeah. They, well, they don't put them in Primark because
0: Primark, Primark is like teen Victoria's Secret. So, uh,
1: sponsored by cuties sponsored by cuties
0: yeah i'm writing for cuties too believe it or not but uh no yeah i so you don't like so the point is that having a girlfriend i think being in a relationship is good because you get to talk to someone all the time so i get to like throw my ideas at her and if she laughs i'm like okay that's something because she's just a normal part she's not a comic you know Mm -hmm. like pitching comedy to a comic is weird Because also, I feel like comics are just jerks, you know? They're like, if you pitch them a joke, they're like, I wouldn't say it. And it's like, okay, you're not me, though. Yeah,
1: if you pitch a comic a joke and they say it's a good joke, they think that they can tell a joke better. And if you pitch a comic a joke that's better than theirs, then they're going to try to give you a tag to be like, let let it be my." I've had comedians give me tags and then be like, can I tell that joke now? like motherfucker no like that's not how it works i had a joke about
0: owls uh a lot of people who know me know the joke Uh, you know the owl joke Mm -hmm. owls are phlegmy but uh i had this one it ends with a word where i said when i first told it i told it in its entirety but i said one word differently and then this boston comic who i you know he said, you should change that word to this. And I was like, that's a good idea. And I believe I would have gotten to that anyway, because it was my first time ever telling the joke. But he went, hey, you should change that one word. And I was like, right, I should. That's what was wrong with the joke. And then I told the joke that way with the new word. And he pretty much claimed the joke as his own he walked up on stage and cause he was hosting and he walked up on stage and went, I wrote that tag for him at the end of that joke. And it was like, uh, yeah, I was like, no, you didn't. And he took, he took full credit for it as if I like, fuck me. I had an idea for a joke and he wrote it like, and he changed a word. He didn't write the tag. So it's like the way he said it was as if he wrote the whole ending to the joke, but he was like, you should change the one word in the tag. So, yeah, fuck that guy. He also stole a joke from me, so fuck that guy. I won't even say his name, so there's no point. But no, but that's annoying. Yeah, that's, fuck that guy.
1: Well, okay, so there's, on episode four of my podcast, we had Lloyd Legacy Sharp, and he was talking about um, some people in his past that had wronged him, and he said that they were toxic Get over it, people. Lloyd.
0: Come on, we've come so far. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that.
1: It wasn't you, but he didn't give names. And then a couple weeks ago, there was a comment on the video from the guy he was talking about, and he never gave names. And the guy like named himself, and he was like, "I am that toxic person." Oh, like, good. Well, oh, so
0: that comic from Boston who hosts a mic that stole my joke and added that one word tag—you know who you are. Name yourself. Fuck you. <laughs> you know. You know what you're you're about. I don't. But like, why most people you... have problems with the guy I'm talking about? By the way. Most people know he's a mentally ill, deranged person. I think it's already clear who I'm talking about at this point.
1: I, I don't. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> 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 I, didn't, I was trying to do the crickets. God, I still don't know. You'll figure it stupid out. Stupid label boy. I do need to label them. And I want to put my own drops in because these were just the pre-programmed ones. So this was a very non-self-help episode. Do you want to give anything Is it to open? the... It's, it's getting to there. Um, what, what self-help things? Do you do anything for yourself? Do you, no, I'm really bad at self-help. That's why
0: like, I, I was excited because I was like, I'm going to say all these things. And you were like, it's a self-help podcast. Don't say any of that. And I was like, ah. Oh, I told you boy. not to say one thing. <laughs> right. But it was really a funny thing what I was going to say. It, it was. was going to be funny. He would have been kicked off SNL for but, it.
1: <laughs> oh, but, we didn't even go I'm sorry, we didn't even answer the question about you. Th- you think stagnant? Like, be stagnant as a comedian is bad. So, you think being in a relationship helps you as a comedian, right? And that can go into the self-help.
0: Um. Well, with comedy for us, it's like that's doing what you love. Do what you love. Don't suck corporate cock. Mm-hmm. Be comfortable not having a job. Be comfortable being homeless. Be comfortable with the fear of becoming homeless and losing everything and being alone. I think that's wicked important. And also if you know, we lost a way for some reason on the way of evolution we lost the comfortability with dying. Like with all this corona stuff, it's like we, we're so afraid of dying and it's like why is that? I get it. Like it it's over. But we should be far more comfortable with just dying. Because, like, with corona and everything, people kind of act as if after corona, death doesn't exist anymore. And, like, death didn't exist before, or too. Or you can't die from other diseases. Yeah, and, what? like, cancer isn't running rampant. Like, uh, yeah, it's all pretty crazy. There's still
1: people dying from many other, like, the flu, like, fucking... Yeah,
0: suicide.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like the only two. Those are the only two things
0: people are dying from now. But, yeah, there is a weird, like, stigma about death and how it's just, it's, yeah,
1: it is death. I mean, I get it. To go back to do you read, the only question I asked you (laughs) written down. So I'm reading this book right now called The Alchemist. That was, it's a Portuguese or Brazilian book written in Portuguese that was published in 1988. And uh, it's really, really interesting. And it's a fictional story, but it's kind of about that you just need to follow. The world will guide you if you're not scared. And maybe, maybe shit will happen and you'll lose everything. But if you just keep going towards your path, it's true. Like mm-hmm. It's true with comedy. Whenever I've followed comedy, whenever I've been like wanting to... Whenever I'm like, no, comedy is what I'm supposed to do. The universe gives me a sign that it is what I'm supposed to do. And I think that's kind of, we're scared of death because we think that we're never going to fulfill our dreams if we die before that happens. But I don't, th- like, I think the reason we're obsessed with history is because we probably live during those times and we're just reincarnated in this time. Like, you're going to live another life. You're going to be able to get everything you want done, just live this life how you want it, the next one you can live how you want that. That's how Ted Bundy looked at it. <laughs> the Ted Bundy of, P- P- Bundy of podcasters, Sam Buck. Yeah. But it yeah. makes me mad. It's like, live your life how you want it because you'll get another chance. I promise you. I can't, I can't show Wildly you. I can't, promise that. I can't promise. You. <laughs> it could no, be nothing. <laughs> but I actually do think, like if you're not going to live your dreams to your fullest, then you're not going to live the most fulfilled life. So I can promise you that like, at least do one thing you want. Maybe you have seven or eight dreams, but do one thing for yourself yeah yeah have no shame be like
0: uh, <laughs> airsoft fatty you know airsoft fatty i don't but that he's sounds a like a nickname i would have had in high star- school <laughs> <laughs> he's a fat star wars fan on youtube who has absolutely no shame he's actually someone to look up to that uh like just putting yourself out there entirely it's it's uh and like what's the worst that you know everyone's embarrassed things are embarrassing but also you know what's the worst that could happen you put yourself out there unless you're racist if you get if you do blackface that's maybe the worst thing that could happen but that's the worst thing i feel like it's probably top five but there's a couple other things you could do it's uh, yeah (laughs) being caught being racist or being a child predator or something yeah but uh yeah i i I'm a bad person to talk to when it comes to self-help because like, I've always known so many people, everyone I've been in relationships with too is like, uh, they've been depressed. They, they go into the system and all of that, of all that therapy and all that, uh, mental institutions and they take pills. They have that like Monday, you know, that mm-hmm. thing where you, uh, you take your daily pills and I've never taken pills in my life and I've always refused them. Uh, like I was a hardcore straight edge kid when I was a teen and stuff. And like, like I did the X's on my, you know, CM Punk style. But did like, you? yeah, I was like, like,
1: you were going to a concert. Yeah. 18, yeah. Huge, like when you were huge dork.
0: Uh, like I broke my knee in high school and they gave me uh, Oxys. And I like, it was like a cool thing to me to pour them down the drain. I was like, I'm straight edge. I don't take no pills, but I should have just taken them cause I, I was in severe pain. But uh, yeah, I, I am like super against the system because I feel like some people get ruined by it. I can understand where it helps for sure. It helps a lot of people. But like, I've known a lot of people who are like so dependent on pills every day and saying, ah, oh, maybe they help. Say, I'm a bad person to talk to about this because I've never experienced anything like that. I've always ignored them, but I've always been told to go into therapy. I've always been told to like, Like, uh, they wanted to put me on Ritalin when I was a kid because I had severe ADHD. But, like, I felt like I got through my ADHD with comedy. Like, comedy helped me. And, like, also, mushrooms severely helped me find who I was and, like, find out what was wrong with me. I've taken many a mushroom in my day. Just last year, I took mushrooms, like, once a month. And, which is too much. You should take it. Three times a year, possibly. But uh, mushrooms incredibly helped me in
1: my life. And working out weed. too, honestly. And working, working out, out and out. eating
0: right. Yeah. Eating right you
1: clears your mind. Sleeping right and not drinking so much just caffeine. Just be a healthy
0: person, yeah. Like these true, people have like... unhealthy lifestyles and then they go to therapy and therapy a therapist was... is like, you're fucking mentally ill. Take all these pills. Therapy and... was detrimental
1: to me. Uh, it, was, it was beneficial when I got what I needed out of it, but when I was going and I didn't need it anymore, it was like I was causing my own problems to talk about and it made me go deeper into a spiral. So I do think you do need a therapist when you have things that you need a, a party, an unknown party to talk about, but yeah. it's not something that you should do every week because then every week for an hour, you're like, what's wrong with my life? I think it's definitely fifty fifty where it's like, but I also it's, it's definitely div- helpful it's different, it's definitely
0: for helpful, people. but like you should know what you're getting yourself into, like a lot of people don't aren't going in with like a plan of like like I know what I need to talk about, I know what I need to change, you know, like some people go in and the system just fucks them. I've never gone to therapy, so I don't really know. But. So that was actually
1: a pretty good self-help rant at the end. Uh, that we yes, went I'm on, a mentally I will rant.
0: end on a funny... Earlier, earlier, I stated my helpful thing to say was uh, you should be comfortable being homeless and being alone.
1: And I stick by that. It is true. If you're comfortable with following your dream, no matter what it brings you to, then you're going to be more fulfilled than you're not. If you're not following your dream. I've had 13, 14, I've had 14 jobs
0: in my life and I've lost them all. I'm 22 years old. I've already had 14 jobs, lost them all. I quit or I got fired because, and every time you lose a job, everyone like comes to you when they find out and they're like, what are you going to do? Is everything okay? You got like bills to pay? And I'm always like, nah, fuck it. I'll get a new job. Who cares?
1: I'll figure it out. But so- like,
0: Yeah, people have like such dependency on stuff like that, or they they freak out, and it's like nothing's gonna help if you freak out, you know? No,
1: you gotta be present, you gotta be happy,
0: you gotta be relaxed and just thinking of what you're gonna do.
1: Yeah, because there's always a path forward, you always know what you're supposed to do. If you sit and think long enough, you always know the right decision and the wrong decision. Not that you're always gonna listen to it, but you always do know.
0: And the incredible thing about comedy is there's always a stage for us you know even if we were like found out to be the worst people in the world i feel like you can still go to an open mic like even bill cosby bill cosby got out of prison today he could go and do a show immediately he's probably killing he would it at the pack. prison station yeah he probably is like look at louie louie's still doing shows like shane gillis is selling out everywhere like you can cancel a comic and people will still be like ah go fuck
1: yourself he's an incredible comic cosby is pretty much canceled though. Like, Louis and Gillis can come back, but Cosby is pretty much.
0: When him. he first got out of jail, though, I don't know exactly the specifics, but he got out and he did a show where they were playing music, he was telling stories, and, like, mad people showed up. That's true. R. R Kelly, people, people support R. Kelly still. I don't think people care. It's like, it's like that, uh, like, when you have a family member in jail that, like, say, like, a nephew had sex, like a 26 year old nephew had sex with a 13 year old girl and like his aunt and stuff will be like, that's my baby. You know, that's, I know I love him. He didn't do it. They'll stick by him to the bitter end. And even in the court, when they find out everything was true and this guy raped a girl, this woman will still be like, he's still my family. That's still my blood. You know, I'm doing kind of like a black impression. That's not what I, (laughs) that's not what I mean to do, but but yeah, like it's just like people you love, you're just gonna stick by them no matter what. You don't care.
1: And on that, do you have anything you want to plug?
0: Not really. Watch Living with a Sped on YouTube, and uh, we're gonna d- be doing a lot more stuff. Hopefully, we'll be doing short films soon and uh, just little sketches. So, uh, I'm Packer Depari on Instagram and Comedy Depari on
1: uh, Twitter. And you can catch so, us at Sad Open Mics in Rhode Island. Sad Open Mics. I don't thank, do any anything. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, please like, subscribe, share. New episodes coming every week. Uh, we actually have microphones now, and we have some um, pretty big guests with a lot more exciting than this fucker.
0: Oh, yeah. That's up. terrible, and I apologize. <laughs> no, this is great. All right, thanks, guys. Living with his bed. Bye.